Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 216. We'll continue in the scroll of Ecclesiastes with a brief summary of chapters 4 through 7 and follow with some thoughts about what it really means to stake the middle ground. Kohelet starts out chapter 4 with probably the most vexing constant under the sun, oppression. Quote, And I went back and saw all the oppression that is done under the sun, the tears of the oppressed who have none to console them, and from the hand of their violent oppressors there is none to console them. And part of that oppression is work. What drives people to work and toil? Is it, quote, a man's envy of his fellow? Well, alas, no. Quote, this too is mere breath and hurting the wind. As Kohelet continues, quote, better a palm full of ease than two handfuls of toil and hurting the wind. Capitalists take heed. And this warning gets more pronounced when Kohelet says, quote, two are better than one for they get good reward for their toil. In other words, For the union makes us strong. Kohelet then goes on to consider what the future holds and if the youth of today can do what we couldn't do, that is, fix this mess. Quote, Better a poor but wise boy than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to be wary. But... That wise boy will eventually grow up and the cycle will continue. Quote, there is no end to all the people, to all before whom he stood, nor would the ones who came later be happy with him. Kohelet closes the chapter with another keen observation. Quote, watch your step when you go to the house of God, for understanding is more favored than the offering of sacrifice by fools, for they do not know even how to do evil. So just keep your mouth shut about stuff you don't understand. Chapter 5 continues with the practical advice when it comes to God, quote, Be not rash with your mouth and let your heart not hurry to utter a word before God. And, quote, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it, for there is no pleasure in fools. What you vow, fulfill. And Kohelet has more to say to Capital, quote, He who loves money will not be sated with money, and he who loves wealth will have no crop. This, too, is mere breath. One who chases money can never rest, because the pursuit will consume them. Quote, there is a blighting evil I have seen under the sun, wealth kept for its owner for his harm. So, what does Kohelet recommend? Quote, it is fit to eat and drink and enjoy good things in all his toil that he toils under the sun, in the number of days of his life that God gave him, for that is his share. He continues in this vein in chapter 6, chiding capital again for their endless pursuit of profit. Quote, if a man begot a hundred children and lived many years, and many were the days of his life, he might yet not be sated with good things, and even a burial he might not have. I said, better than he is the stillborn. This kind of pursuit, any kind of pursuit for that matter, is a fruitless endeavor. Remember, quote, what was has already been called by name and is known. And it's all mere breath, right? Quote, for who knows what is good for man in life in his days of mere breath? For he spends them like a shadow. Who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? In chapter 7, Kohelet strikes a different tone. There is good and things worthwhile for humans. Hearkening back to the proverb form of Mishle, Kohelet tells us, quote, Better a good name than good oil, and the day of death than the day one is born. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of carousing. 
for that is the end of all men. Let the living take it to heart. So yeah, there are some good things, cliches really, but leave it to Kohelet to keep it real. Leaving the world is better than entering it because the world sucks, and the sooner we confront this reality and embrace it, the better. And then there's this maxim, quote, better worry than merriment, for by a scowl the heart is gladdened. Only through the grim can we be glad. Do you understand now? Kohelet also says, quote, better patience than haughtiness. And don't indulge in nostalgia, quote, say not what has happened, that the days gone by were better than these, for you ask not about this in wisdom. Maga, maga, maga. If there's one thing that Kohelet is consistent about is that, to him, the world is profoundly fucked and cannot be repaired. Quote, everything have I seen in my days of mere breath, the righteous perishing in his righteousness and the wicked living a long life in his evil. So how are we to contend with this? Quote, do not be overrighteous and do not be overwise. Why should you be dumbfounded? Don't be over wicked and don't be a fool. Why should you die before your time? In other words, strike a fine balance. And you should probably stay off social media too. Quote, to all the words too that they speak, do not pay heed that you hear not your servant reviling you. For many times too, your heart has known that you too have reviled others. And you should probably reject the company of women because, quote, I find women more bitter than death for she is all snares and nets her heart and fetters her arms. Bros before hoes. Why? Because your bros are always there for you. They have got your back after your hoe rips your heart out for no good reason. The misogyny continues, quote, I sought and did not find. One man in a thousand I found, and a woman among all these I did not find. In other words, if Kohelet could only find one honest man in a thousand, the odds of finding a decent woman is practically zero. This pronouncement, I think, says more about Kohelet than the people he's weighing and finds wanting. As we've made our way through the Tanakh, we've come across many a logical fallacy. Or, to be more precise, we've seen many figures in the Tanakh deploy many logical fallacies. Way back in episode 95, I spoke about the ad hominem fallacy, where rather than attack your opponent's argument, you go after their character or some personal trait. I also talked about the ad hominem to quoque, where rather than dealing with the argument, you turn it back on the accuser. So, as I said then, as an example, a parent tells their teenage child that smoking is a terrible habit, it's addictive, etc., and the child retorts dismissively, but you smoked. In episode 200 and 203, I spoke about the post hoc fallacy, where you assume that since event Y followed event X, event Y must have been caused by event X. And as I said then as an example, say I drink a bottle of water and after an hour I fall sick and then I go and assume that the bottled water must have made me sick, discounting all the other possible explanations like lunch at Chipotle. This fallacy lay at the heart of the book of Job, where Eov's friends assume that because Eov is suffering, he must have sinned to bring on the divine punishment, discounting the possibility that correlation is not causation or that God was merely messing with Yehovah on a dare. 
In episode 204, I talked about the ad populum fallacy, where you support your argument with the claim, everyone knows that what I'm saying is true. It's a flimsy argument, but it's used so often. Believe me. So here we are in Ecclesiastes, and before I talk about the logical fallacy that bubbles to the surface here, I want to emphasize that the logical fallacies are not promulgated by the Tanakh, by the narrator, by the the discourse of the Tanakh, but by individuals portrayed in the text, or by people reading the text and taking it to mean one thing when it arguably means something else. So in episode 95, Yeshayahu the prophet attacks Shevna, a steward in the palace and a rival prophet. In the book of Job, it's Eov's friends who cannot avoid falling into the pit of the post hoc fallacy. And here, in the scroll of Ecclesiastes, we find Kohelet himself telling us, quote, do not be over-righteous and do not be over-wise. Why should you be dumbfounded? Don't be over-wicked and don't be a fool. Why should you die before your time? So one can understand this to mean find a path in between over-righteousness and over-wickedness, or as the Greeks would say, nothing in excess. Socrates taught in the Republic that a man must know, quote, how to choose the mean and avoid the extremes on either side as far as possible. Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics trumpeted the golden mean, arguing, for example, that courage is virtuous, but taken in excess would become recklessness, and when you take away too much, it becomes cowardice. Maimonides, one of the greatest Jewish thinkers in his time, or any other for that matter, was a student of the Greeks, and he made a similar argument in the Mishnah Torah, his, I guess, Cole's notes or Cliff notes commentary on the Mishnah, but he used this moderate approach to make the argument that a person needs to take care of the soul as well as the body, and just as a sick person should turn to a doctor for healing, a person with mental illness should turn to a doctor for the soul which in his view was a philosopher or sage. How do you feel about your mother? Um, like this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of like this. <laughs> That's not how I feel your mother. <sighs> Shut up, fart knocker. <laughs> the thing is that, as many have argued in various uh, publications and posts, etc., we live in an extreme time now. Polarization defines politics. A candidate's success seems linked to how far they can push the Overton window to the extreme. Smash that outrage button and you'll guarantee an endless supply of red meat for your base. And of course, whichever extreme indulges in that manner, you'll either like it or revile it because you like your team and want your team to win and you hate the other team because they're a menace and they'll lead to the destruction of society and everything you hold dear. Name the issue. Something relatively anodyne. How about a wealth tax? Passing it will either... Bring in a lot more money that we can use to fix our society's most chronic and pressing problems, or will it pave the way to communism and the destruction of our freedom? Or reproductive health care. Either it's just health care, or it's murder of the unborn. A new holocaust. Perhaps what we need is to return to some sanity, and bring some sanity back to the discourse, and reclaim the center. Hold the space between over-righteousness and over-wickedness, and make that the basis for political action. Which makes sense to some degree, doesn't it? You know, nothing in excess. But what ends up happening is, to put it mildly, uncomfortably close to the golden mean fallacy, or argument ad temperantium, which is also known as the appeal to moderation, the middle ground fallacy, false compromise, or the fallacy of the mean. That's where you take both sides, combine them, and divide by two. 
in the name of sanity and moderation, of course. So if one side denies the Shoah and the other side says the Shoah happened, you just split the difference and say only three million Jews lost their lives in the camps. Now, you'll say that that's not a good example because the latter position, that is, saying the Shoah happened, is not an extreme one. It's mainstream. It's not fringe. Okay, granted. But depending on how wide your Overton window is, you might find good faith actors arguing that a woman's right to choose, which in my country is fully protected by law, it sanctions a form of murder, and one cannot go with half measures when a life is at stake. Now, if that example seems preposterous, because the mainstream position seems so obvious, here's another one. Statues honoring individuals who fought for slavery or planned the genocide of indigenous peoples should be taken down. We can honor others in their place. And taking down these statues is not erasing history, it's actually representing it more accurately. Is this position mainstream or fringe? Is the position that argues for keeping those statues in place mainstream or fringe? So, would a good, sane, moderate position be advocating that we keep half of those statues in the spirit of compromise? Or how about the Israeli occupation of Palestinian territories? One side says we should annex them all, the other says we should return it to the Palestinians, so let's split the difference and just occupy the territories temporarily until we arrive at a just and fair negotiated conclusion. Wouldn't want to be overrighteous or too overwicked. I don't think this is what Kohelet is after or wants for us. Despite his nihilistic tendencies, he's too principled to advocate for such a stupid position. And yes, it is a stupid position. Merely taking both sides in a debate and triangulating a middle ground between them might make the centrists feel better about avoiding extremism, but it effectively perpetuates the status quo. And we can go through each of the previously mentioned examples and tease out how the moderate position doesn't improve material conditions for anyone. And indeed, in some cases, there cannot be a middle ground. We don't seek it out in the face of Holocaust denial or pedophilia, and we probably shouldn't seek it out when it comes to female reproductive health or the continued lionizing of slave owners or genocide planners, and we probably shouldn't perpetuate it in instances where innocent people are subject to oppression because we don't want to confront what the other two positions might say about us and who we are. And I'm sure you're thinking, while decrying the golden mean fallacy, you've fallen victim to another one, the black or white fallacy. I'm representing terribly nuanced and complicated issues as having only two extreme positions. But if you review that list, you might agree that on some matters there is no middle ground, no gray area to embrace. One position is already the normative, mainstream one, or should be, and its opponent is the extreme. The choice is obvious, isn't it? Well, what would Kohelet do here? Would he brush off these debates as mere breath? not worth the energy because we all end up in the same place? Or would he stake a not-too-righteous, not-too-wicked position and try to present a more nuanced, sane stance in the face of wild extremes? Or is there some other position somewhere else along the spectrum populated by apathy, moderation, and extremism? See what I did there? I didn't fall into the trap of the black or white fallacy. Although we all end up in the same place, Kohelet would definitely not sanction giving some of us license to expedite the final departures of others. And he would not sit idly by while others carried out that expediting. Kohelet, for all his bluster, finds some solace in solidarity. It is a value that grounds him in the present, and yes, even in the pursuit of justice. Though he is dubious about its presence in the world, he acknowledges that the wicked might 
ultimately get what they deserve. Quote, if you see the oppression of the poor and the perversion of justice and right in the province, be not amazed at the matter, for he who is high has a higher one watching him, and still higher ones over them. For when it comes to the higher ones over them and the punishment that hopefully they will dole out to those that oppress the poor and pervert justice, there won't be a sum of two extremes divided by two. It will be well-deserved, a long time coming, and most importantly, not over-righteous or over-wicked. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Tell a friend about TanakhCast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to TanakhCast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 217, when we conclude the scroll of Ecclesiastes with chapters 8 through 12.